This podcast is brought to you by Touch a Life. Hi, welcome to Business Influencers. My name is Chris Salem, your host. We want to welcome you here if this is your first time here. We highly encourage you to check out also our other podcasts that are available on Tell Radio at tellradio.org. And again, we are so excited that you are here. And you can also listen to us here also at Tell Radio on Apple, also on Spotify and our YouTube channel as well. So you can listen either on from an audio perspective or watch us on video as well. Today's show is being brought to you today by Alumni Direct. Alumni Direct is a new social media community platform dedicated to bringing alumni together from all different generational types and an opportunity to meet new people for the first time. It takes all the noise out of social media because it is a membership program, but by being a member, you have the opportunity to come in and generate genuine and authentic relationships with the people you choose to share content with and it comes with a wide array of different services that are not available to the general public. If you'd like some more information about Alumni Direct, check them out at alumnidirect.com. That's alumnidirect.com. Well, we got a great show for you today. We're gonna be talking about leadership topic here. And we, as you know here, I always love to talk about leadership. And in this case, we're gonna be talking about the power of conversational leadership how you could explore how this concept of leadership can transform self-doubt into powerful tool for personal and professional success. Our guest today is gonna be Danita uh, Folkvane and a little information about her before we bring her on. Her journey is a testament to resilience and transformation. She was born in South Africa and raised in segregated North Carolina. Her life has been deeply intertwined with the themes of race and equity and she transitioned from an opera singer to a leader in philanthropy and she has honed her skills in addressing systematic inequalities and fostering organizational growth through knowledge management and conversational leadership her dynamic approach combines lived experience and practical strategies making her engaging and an insightful speaker and without further ado we welcome danita folkvane to the show danita how are you doing today I'm very well, thank you. And thank you for such a wonderful and kind um, introduction. How lovely. My pleasure. We are a pleasure to have you here. So let's just talk a little bit about, you know, when you think about a group of people, it could be, you know, an organization of any size, you know, leadership is always going to be a very important part of making any group of people do a certain thing that's going to be worthwhile to create impact. And we love to find a little bit, you know, more about maybe the foundation from your perspective of what conversational leadership is. Oh, well, it's everything. And it is, it's small and big and everything in between. Um, I was introduced by the idea of conversational leadership by John Hovell and David Gertine, two big names in the knowledge management um, area. and. We subsequently have done a few workshops on Conversational Leader with another um, fantastic practitioner, Saleh Menon. And the tagline that I love about Conversational Leadership is creating conversations that would not happen without you. Mm. And that's that's everything because, and I keep saying that's everything, it, it really is, because it means that you have to have a knowledge of self that 
most people shy away from. In knowing who you are, offering that to someone else encourages them to say, to show who they are. And by building those kinds of relationships with your with your team or even with your family, it becomes such that there is shared vulnerability and the shared idea of like, are we headed to the same point? Do we have the same path in mind? And if so, are we going there the same way or do we need to make room for each other's differences? And that part is is key because my brain does not operate as a normal business, what, what people think of as a normal like, business person, right? Um, if you've ever done Myers-Briggs, Yes. Most businesses are looking for the ENTJ. I happen to be an INFP and the exact opposite of what, what, you know, like we want to get there. We want to get there fast. And I'm like, oh, let's gather all of the information and look at it and play with it and then move, which is really, really annoying to some business leaders. But what happens is that by gathering information initially, the speed at which I end a project or with which I get to the goal increases over time. Whereas other people might have to, like, they just want to start and then gather direction as they go. Both are incredibly valid, but you have to know that about each other, right? Because if you're expecting just to go and then you hit me and I'm like, let's gather information, (laughs) you're like, pow, pow, you know, heads clash and If you understand that about each other, you make room for how the other person thinks, works, lives. Wow, I love it. I love it. And and conversational, I mean, I love the approach because, you know, it's all about engagement because without engagement, we don't have people that are going to communicate effectively and they're not going to be able to understand each other's role and duties in, in a project or any situation. And when that happens, we know what what ends up happening. You know, we just assume and speculate with communication, expectations fall through the cracks, and then all of a sudden, we're butting heads. So yeah, yeah. Or you know, if if people are not, there's been such backlash to the idea of creating a place of belonging for people in a business world, right? Um, if you don't feel like you belong, you don't you don't speak up. You don't offer your ideas. You don't listen to to the other people as well because they're not listening to you. But if you feel like you can be, that you belong, you can say whether it's to a CEO or to a fellow um, director or to a person who's on the admin staff. Can we re-examine that for a moment? Because we get so entrenched in how we've always done things that we do them that way just to do them. And when somebody comes in and says, hey, I wonder if we have to have that meeting at that time of the year, every single year. What if we did something slightly different? If you're not open to that idea, you're gonna be like, no, we've, we've done this, all, we've always done it this way. But then if you are open, you can say, well, what makes you think that? Hmm. What benefits? would happen if we moved it to a different time of year or if we bifurcated it or whatever. And then that's how innovation starts. It's by listening to someone who does not think the way you do. We get so focused on finding people who think, look, act like us, that when we encounter someone who's 
thinking is different, we shut down. We shut down, yeah. Yeah, it's so, so true. Instead of like, people tend to look at things for what they think it should be, which is fine, you know, because we, we have our own perspective, opinion on things. But when we're working with other people, like you said, if we're going to be innovative and creative, if we're not, if we're, if we're looking at things from a place of what we think it should be, then we're always not going to be listening, really attentively listening to what somehow somebody else looks at it. So we have to look at it for what it is, not what we just think it should be. And I think that's so important. Yeah. It's like the emperor's new clothes, right? Yeah. Um, because you want that person to come in and say, oh, no, that emperor has no clothes on. Poor thing. He's probably getting cold. Let's get him. Let's get him a jacket. You know, there's a story about uh, the gossamer albatross. I don't have you heard this one? No. Um, there's a contest to get a winged object across the English Channel and how it's constructed, what it does. It's up to the teams building them. And I think it's been a while since I've heard the story, but there was not a high rate of success. And one year, this um, team, instead of assigning like the engineers to the engineering, the mechanics to the mechanicals, the builders to the building, they would leave up a sheet of paper to say, hey, anybody have any ideas? Mm. And in that, in that opening it up, the engineers were looking at the builder's stuff and going, oh, explain that to me. And the builders were looking at the aeronautic stuff and going, why is that that way? And the questions that they asked of each other and the ideas that they came with got them this gossamer albatross that was able to fly across the English Channel when no other teams could. And it's because you are, you are not looking at people as one category. You're taking all of their strengths in. It's allowing folks to say, you know, everybody always has to be the, the expert in the room. And why? I found the most freeing thing to say is, I don't know. And, or I've never heard of that person. Can you yeah. tell me more? And, but other people just won't, right? They'll be like, oh yeah, sure. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. I got it. I got it. And why not just say, I don't know. And, oh, wow. I never thought about it that way. Let's try. What if we don't use wheels on the landing thing? All we have to do is get across the, the channel. Um, and that's, that's what conversational leadership does. It, it allows a person through the, this immense power of speaking, not only to get to know how he, she, they operates, but also to leave room for other people to contribute as well. And from avenues that you don't necessarily expect because you don't know that whole person. How can you yeah. possibly know a whole person? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So what do you, you know, when it comes to this concept of conversational leadership, what do you recommend for the organizations, whatever size they may be? What would be that first step that, you know, would it start with awareness first? Would it be, what, what, what would that be? What would you would recommend? I think about the, the concept of creating conversations that would not happen without you. If you're going into a meeting and it's a conversation that anybody could start, anybody could fill, anybody could end, there's there's no magic there. And I'm not saying every single meeting has to be magical, but if your staff come out of meetings yawning or rolling their eyes or saying, wow, I have so much to do and I wish I didn't have to go to that meeting, you are not having good 
meetings. And so what kind of meetings, what kind of gatherings can you put together in which people come out going, I have so much work to do, but wow, that was amazing. Or um, I had no idea that that was the thing that we were doing as an organization. I Or anything that's going to leave somebody going, the next time they see that meeting pop on their calendar, there's a sense of excitement. There's a sense of joy um, rather than a sense of dread. Um, the other thing is the one of the people who introduced conversational leadership to me, John Hovell, has, has a book out and I wish I could remember the title, but I'm sorry, John, if you're listening. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but H-O-V-E-L-L is his last name. And if you Google him and knowledge management and conversational leadership, you will find the book. So that's another great place to start. And I would say start with a, a, from a place of curiosity. Um, David Gertine, one of the other guys, uh, introduced me to one of my favorite knowledge management tenets, which is uh, the mind is not a vessel to be filled, but a fire to be kindled. Mm. I, the, the thing that I, it, when I present, there's no, there's no goal other than I want people leaving with questions. I want them to be so fired up by something they heard, something they talked about with their table mates, that they're going to be like, I need to talk to somebody in my organization, somebody in my family, someone in my network, because this excited me, this sparked something in my brain. And that is the way, like when, when somebody says something to you and you're like, I have five different questions or I have 50 different questions, that's a conversation, right? Exactly. Wow. This is great. I love this, what you're sharing here. And, and it's so, so important. And so, I mean, what, what could be some other things like, you know, you know, in terms of, you know, taking conversational leadership to that, that next level, like integrating it, what, how, what, what would you recommend? Well, there are, a, there are a bunch of books. So conversational leadership is, is a discipline that holds parts of knowledge management, organizational development. It, it's an amalgamation of things. And so the first thing is to have these really deep conversations with the people that you are, with whom you're trying to achieve a goal. But then your organization might be a little bit light. In my opinion, the three pillars of knowledge management are technology, process, and people. People are the center of that stool, that knowledge management stool. Technology and process are fantastic but they should be in service to the people because technology does not wake up on the wrong side of the bed and be grumpy one day and snap at you. Yeah. Uh, process, uh, you know, I love a good process, but when people are scared to talk to each other, they throw process at it and it becomes unnecessary. And so with understanding where the challenges are in your organization, is it is it a technological challenge? Is it a process challenge? Is it a people challenge? Or is it you've got really great people, process and technology, but they're just not working together? Like understanding where the issues in your in your organization lie determines the conversations you should be having. Yeah, so true. So true. I love this. Anything else that, you know, you think that, you know, uh, while we're on this topic that you feel, you know, the audience that's listening now, those will be listening later should know and how this could apply, you know, not only in, in the workplace, but just, you know, in everyday life, because I always feel like if we're not doing things differently 
in not only in our business or our careers, but also in our roles in our personal life, it doesn't stick. I always find that, you know, if you can become consistent in all roles and duties of your life and, and career, things tend to change and stick for the better. I, I love that idea of consistency in your in all aspects of your your life because so many of us have a work persona, an at home persona, a friend persona, a network persona, and I think part of getting to the point of knowing yourself well enough to share with others is that consistency. You're the same person in every single quadrant of your life. It just there might be slight tweaks here and there. I will give you an example from my personal life. My dad, he's just, he's a wonderful, wonderful human being. He bosses through questions. And I, there's something in my makeup that makes me bristle every single time. He'll be like, are we, are we going to watch this TV show tonight? And I'm like, are we? I don't know. And the thing is, I know his intention is not to make me angry or not to make me slightly annoyed. What he is asking is, hey, daughter, whom I love very much, I would love it if we watched this TV show together. But something in his makeup doesn't allow him to be that direct. And so he comes at me with these questions. Are we going to are we going to order food tonight? You know, and I've had to have a little conversation with myself because snapping at your 85 year old dad is not great. And but making a joke out of it is pretty awesome. Like, I don't know, daddy, are we? And then he'll catch himself and then he'll giggle and he'll go, okay, would you watch the show with me tonight? And I'm like, sure, I'd love to. And it changes that dynamic, right? So understanding your own personal foibles or like the subway, the subway in New York City, Oh my word, there are so many things that tick me off on a regular basis. People snapping gum, loud music, the children who do dances on the thing, they don't they don't annoy me. I just worry for their safety and mine. Yeah, yeah. And you know, many yesterday for example, I got on a on a car, a train subway car and there was this really high pitched sort of screamy noise and I think it was a faulty ventilation system. And for the first, I don't know, three stops, I was sitting there kind of fuming about, oh my God, this is such a horrible noise and blah, I hate it. And it was, it was making me incredibly cranky. And I was like, is this something you can change? Yes, yes it is. It, you might not get a seat in the next car, but which is worse, not having a seat or listening to this for the rest of your commute? So I had to put on, like, I had to have my big girl focus and go like, all right, change your life for the better, move to the next car. I moved to the next car and really have not thought about that noise since right now. There are certain things that are under your control that if you allow them to get under your skin, they get under your skin. Yeah, that's true. And that's so true. if you have, I mean, I am amazed even in English that we can communicate with each other because what is what is your idea of a clean bathroom is it the same as mine i don't know huh. well if it annoys you when your level of clean is not my level of clean there's a conversation to be had and i i worked with a conductor once who 
Opera singers, I don't know if you know about them, but we're, we are a very neurotic bunch. And so anytime you feel like a slight cough in, or a slight tickle in your throat, all of a sudden you're like, oh, I can't deal with life. And then you start to act out, right? Um, and it's a very, it can be fraught sometimes and also kind of funny. Um, but this conductor was always just so calm and kind and loving to all to, to the singers. And I was like, how do you do this? He said, well, you know, if something gets thrown at me, I just stop for a moment and ask myself, did that person mean to be mean to me? Was that coming from a place of malice? And he said, 99% of the time, the answer is no. The 1% of the time that it is coming from a place of malice, <laughs> you have to have a different conversation. <laughs> but for the 99%, that just understanding, this person is not wanting to cause me harm. This person did not wake up today and go, what's going to piss Donita off? This person is probably, I have no idea what's going on. Maybe this person sat in that subway car all the way for the commute and just came out of that subway car angry and is now like sort of decompressing. Maybe there's a family issue. Maybe you don't know. So I, it's a work in progress, but I, I try and stop and ask myself, does this person mean me harm? Yeah. And it was just such a simple thing to ask. No, I, I agree. It's like, you could say that to yourself. I, at any time when, when something that would normally trigger fear or trigger anxiety or stress, I ask myself, what can I control? What can I not control? And then as soon as yeah. I do that, everything calms down and then I focus on what I can control and let go of the rest. Now, it wasn't that easy at first, but it took time. But I, I know exactly what, what you're sharing there. So true. That's amazing. I love that. Yeah. But, you know, what can I control? It, it It is something that is, and it changes over time, right? Yeah. Because yeah. the more the more steady you become, the more knowledgeable about self. Do you know about the amygdala hijack? Uh, I've heard of it, yes. So the amygdala is the part of the brain that brain, triggers yep, yep. fight, flight, freeze oh, in response yeah. to a threat, right? It is something that you have no control over. Once it's triggered, cortisol and adrenaline starts pumping through your body, yes. right? And for 17 to 20 minutes, you are not capable of rational thought because your monkey brain is like, uh-oh, the bush is rustled. There's probably a saber-toothed tiger out behind it. What do I have to get ready to do? Yeah. It may just have been a breeze, right, that, that ruffled through it. But your your response is as if there's a saber-toothed tiger behind oh, yeah. it. No doubt about it. No and doubt. then there's like a four-hour um, hangover period after, because your body then has to get rid of all of this, all of these chemicals. If you've ever like had an outsized reaction to something somebody has said, and then you're just like all quivery and shaky, that's the amygdala hijack. There are ways to interrupt that by recognizing it when it starts to trigger. And one of the best ways to do that is music or to take yourself out of the situation. If somebody is saying something to you that is causing your amygdala to be like, warning, warning, then you say, may we pause for a moment? I need some time to, to think this through. Yes. And then you put music in and you put on your favorite amygdala banning songs and you interrupt that process until you can think through it. And, I, and oh, I agree. Behave. I agree. Yeah. That way you can respond favorably instead of react 
to the to that situation. No, I I, I love that. I, I and I know we're coming up on uh, towards the end of the show, but I wanted to see if you wanted to conclude with something for like a minute to sum up sum up everything you shared, and then also let the audience know how is the best way they can get in contact with you. Anything you'd like to share with them, and so on. Um, I think that we as human beings have infinite capacity for growth and change, and even when we're frustrated and hurting and annoyed, there is a way to come out of that. And there's a way to come out of that in a healthy and thoughtful manner. I I am angry a lot because of, you know, inequities in the world. But I remember my friends, I remember my network, getting a good network in place for yourself is, is key. I, I can be reached on LinkedIn. You can just search my name since it's such an interesting one. I'm also on Instagram. And I I really, I would like to offer people this idea of under, looking out for yourself, understanding who you are so that nobody else can steal that from you and hijack your emotions, your being, your way of working. Find ways to know about you so you can share them with the people around you. Wow. Well, this is fantastic. I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your day to be with us here today. We highly value as a guest sharing your words of wisdom and insight to us on this particular area of conversational leadership. Thank you so much for having me on. This is another sign of a great conversation. I feel like it lasted for a minute and I'm like, what? It goes so What's quick, but we'll does. have another one. We'll have you back on for another show and we're going to actually, you're, you're going to be on, on another show that I do. So, uh, so it's sustainable success. So yes, we will chat about that and we'll have time to talk longer on that, on this topic. Well, thank Thanks. you so much. Appreciate you for being here. Thank you. It's been a delight. Thank you. And listeners, we want to thank you each and every week joining us here at Business Influencers. Again, if you would like to see uh, other content that would resonate and help move your level of influence in business to the next level, reach out to us at Chris at ChristopherSalem.com. Until then, everybody, have a great rest of your week and we'll see you next week. You have just listened to Tall Radio Podcast. For more podcasts, visit www.touchalife.org.